Welcome to another thrilling episode of Geek Briefs. I'm your host, Barbara. On today's show, we'll be talking a little bit about Man of Steel, of course, our streaming movie of the week, and a few news tidbits. Let's get started. This is late news, but Robot Chicken's DC Comics special is going to be available on Blu-ray July 9th. This is the... Sorry about that. This is the synopsis. Robot Chicken and DC Comics collide. Who will survive with their super dignities intact? Nobody. In Robot Chicken's hands, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and even Mr. Banjo could end up dead or naked or both or neither. Actually, I don't think I'd ever told any of you guys this. Robot Chicken and DC Comics was uh, doing a, a special contest to win uh, the previous season on DVD along with some really cool prizes, uh, a signed action figure, and some Robot Chicken socks and and a bunch of other things, and I actually won it last year. And I think I have a few pictures. I'll have to see if I can post it on on the uh, Facebook site for you guys to check out. And moving on to other DC Comics news, Injustice Gods Among Us is now available for purchase. Aquaman can too be Wonder Woman. No, she's a goddess, he's a guppy. Man, we always do this. Superman can too be Batman. Until Batman pulls out the kryptonite. Green Lantern can too beat the Flash. The Flash is faster than your mom. What? It's time to prove you wrong, once and for all. Injustice Gods Among Us, rated T for T. Yes, Aquaman got mad sharks! Injustice Gods Among Us is one of those games that focuses on one of those insane what-ifs in the DC Universe. What would happen if Superman was psychologically scarred? The answer in this game is creating a menacing one-world government fueled by his descent into madness. It's built in a similar style to NetherRealm Studios' successful Mortal Kombat games, but Injustice scales down that violence a little bit and replaces it with sheer magnificent spectacle. Injustice has an exceptionally touching and very well-executed story mode that makes you feel like you're doing more than just playing one arena fight after another. The story of Injustice preys on Superman's worst fear, that he's unknowingly used as a weapon against the people he loves and against the innocent people of Metropolis. The story flashes forward five years into the future of this alternate timeline. Batman is considered the main rebel against an empire that Superman has created, which is basically, if you actually, if you put it right down to it, it's the Justice Lords. You have most of the superheroed people rallied with Superman, basically being warlords in this alternate universe. And this Batman, along with others, finds a way to get the Justice League from our universe, the good universe, and brings them in to help out in this situation. One of the most iconic things about superheroes is how most of them use their environment to do the fighting. Throw cars, crash through buildings, they're everyday occurrences in comics. And they're brought to life in the interactive stages in Injustice. Most of the arenas have two segments that the fighters can bash through. If you're lucky enough to get thrown from one part of the stage to the other, you'll see your character crash through walls, planes, giant fans, and they'll tumble to the next level. Beyond throwing people around, each stage also has usable items, like discarded cars, the bat signal, 
I think that you can even tip over a water tower in uh, on a Gotham City rooftop. And my personal favorite actually was the bat signal. As a powered person, you had the ability to rip it out of the roof from its moorings and throw it down on an opponent. Or as a technical person, you were able to jump off it and leap away from your opponents. And I saw in some videos people actually smashing their head or their opponent's head into the bat signal, but I've yet to do that with my character. So I don't know if that's still a viable option or not. I'll have to find out because I'd really love to see if he could. Injustice's greatest strength is its ability to make every character, no matter what level they are, powerful. Netherrealm was actually very clever with how they brought out the Mortal Kombat in Injustice. You get just enough combat for the fighting system to feel familiar, but not so much that you're constantly suffering at the hands of other players that are, are far more experienced at PvP games. Now, I've heard constant quotes from Ed Boon, and actually, was it Ed Boon? I'm trying to think. It, it was one of the developers of Injustice who said controls that were easy to use but difficult to master. And I think that basically explains Injustice very, very well. The controls are very smooth, easy to control, and you do learn the moves fairly quickly. But to basically be on level with another more superior player, you do have to kind of develop your skills and a lot of practice. And that's where you're going to get the most out of this game, is your practice and Personally, I think the Star Labs missions, which I didn't speak about the Star Labs missions before. Star Labs missions are basically side missions other than the story and the uh, multiplayer or, you know, single battle mode where you'll do certain tasks. Like the first chapter is Superman and he's going up against first the Flash and you have to do certain combat moves against Flash because he's trying to stop you from uh, from doing something. I think it's uh, stopped you from basically going off kilter and, and attacking uh, Lex Luthor for stealing Lois. You have to do all the specific moves that they provide, which are not overly difficult, but it does help you in the mechanics of mastering the character of Superman. And then you move on to the next one, which is he goes up against Bane. In that one, you deal with the sun being recharged by the sun, so you only have like partial life. So you have to be in the beam of sunlight to get your body recharged. At the same time, you have to beat Bane by a certain amount and uh, take him down using uh, a certain amount of combo. I think a, a percentage of combo moves. I'll have to look. But gradually, as you move through the Star Labs missions, it helps you become more adept at the character. And that's a really cool connection to the game without having to worry about being spammed by PvPers that really just don't know how to play a character properly. I've seen a lot of reviews for Injustice where they've been pretty high. I think the lowest I ever saw was maybe uh, 85 out of 100. They're actually pretty savvy. It's very smart, very stylish. The graphics are fairly decent. And I think anyone that really is a fan of DC Universe, especially of the stories, would definitely enjoy the story mode. And I would honestly give it a 4 out of 5. Now moving on from Injustice to actually College Humor. I don't know if many of you have seen the Batman video rips that basically making fun of the Nolan-esque Batman, but recently a new one came out and it has Patton Oswalt in it. He plays the Penguin. And it's one of those hysterical things where, of course, Batman does not understand what death is. And I would 
love for you guys to check that out because that's actually one of the funniest things I've seen. And honestly, Patton Oswald makes one of the great penguins because at the very beginning he's really, really chilly and a little creepy. And then when they get into the whole discussion about death, we have Commissioner Gordon there and of course Badman and the penguin. And they're just trying to explain this like you're talking to a slow, slow child, and it's actually fairly hysterical. For those who want to check it out, you can head over to the Geek Breeze Facebook page. The next DC animated movie is going to be Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox. I'm going to read a little that's on the DC Comics website here to you. No, you haven't woken up in an alternate reality. The newest entry in the popular series of DC Universe original animated movies is based on Flashpoint, the popular continuity-shattering graphic novel by Jeff Johns and Andy Kubert. Entitled Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox, the PG-13 rated film is produced by DC Entertainment and Warner Brothers Animation, and will be available July 30th from Warner Brothers Home Entertainment Group on Blu-ray Combo Pack, DVD, and Digital Download. Now, for those of you that aren't familiar with the source material, basically, Flashpoint was a major crossover event that happened in 2011 that led to the DC Comics reboot called The New 52. Now, in the comic, there's time travel involved, which allows a past wrong to be righted for the Flash and his family. Because this wrong was righted, temporal ripples proved exceptionally disastrous, causing a fractured alternate reality where the Justice League never formed and Superman is nowhere to be found. Also in this new world, it's being torn apart by two fierce factions, which is Wonder Woman's Amazons and Aquaman's Atlanteans. And somehow Flash must team up with the Batman of that universe to restore the continuity of Flash's original timeline. Jay Oliva, the director of Batman The Dark Knight Returns, will be directing this film from a script written by screenwriter Jim Krieg. James Tucker of Superman Unbound is producing. The voice cast is monumentally astounding and nearly made me faint with excitement. You have Justin Chambers as The Flash. You have Kevin McKidd, which I previously talked about him in Bunraku. He's playing the Thomas Wayne alternate version of Batman. You have Carrie Elways as Aquaman. You have C. Thomas Howell as Professor Zoom. Nathan Fillion is back as Green Lantern. Kevin Conroy is back as the original Batman. You have Ron Perlman as Deathstroke Slade Wilson. Sam Daly, which is Tim Daly's son, is playing his father's role as Superman. You have Dana Delaney back as Lois Lane. Vanessa Marshall, who was on Crisis on Two Earths back as Wonder Woman. Michael B. Jordan as Cyborg. And Danny Houston as Generals. I almost said Generals Odd. General Lane. And if somehow that voice cast doesn't get you excited, consider the following. While this movie featured the Justice League, the story is largely driven by The Flash. So for any of you Flash fans who have been hoping that the Scarlet Speedster would get his moment in the DC Universe sun, this is your summer. The UK's Daily Mail recently put out pictures of Jamie Foxx in full creepy makeup as the new villain for the Amazing Spider-Man movie. Ever since Jamie Foxx was cast as Maxwell Dillon, better known to Marvel comic book fans as Electro in The Amazing Spider-Man 2, fans have been desperate to know what his actual makeup is going to look like. Well, that wait's over. If you head over to the Facebook page, you can actually get a pretty good look at it. Jamie Foxx was spotted in Times Square about a week and a half ago wearing a full face of makeup and creepy contact lenses. What's even more interesting about the look is that when the director yelled action, he was absolutely transformed. There's a string of 
LED lights that I can see in the picture that line the interior of Mr. Fox's dark hood, and they light up his face with this eerie bluish glow when they're switched on. The opalescent blue face paint was paired with some interesting contact lenses that turned the area around his eyes and dark pupils in electric blue, and cosmetically applied bulging neck veins were part of the prosthetic, which you can see menacingly slither up onto his face. Now going through this article, because I'm not really well versed in Marvel, it says that the comic book version of Electro has been yellow and green, but the new version certainly gives the character a futuristic look. And honestly, looking at it now, it reminds me a great deal of what they did with Dr. Manhattan in The Watchmen. In the comic, the villain Electro is born after Dylan, an electrical engineer, finds himself gifted with the ability to control electricity after being struck by lightning while working on a power line. While his appearance may be different, Jamie Foxx has said that he wanted to keep the character close to the original. In the article, the actor is quoted as saying, I'm going to keep it close to the chest, but I followed the Spider-Man comic books, and I would watch the television show growing up. It's a blessing. It's incredible, especially for my little daughter, who is there for the makeup tests and everything. It's another testament to Quentin Tarantino, because without Django, I wouldn't be doing Spider-Man. The second Amazing Spider-Man movie is going to be directed by Mark Webb and will co-star Andrew Garfield, Emma Stone, and Dane DeHaan and is expected to open around April 2014. In other Marvel news, Michael Rooker is joining the Guardians of the Galaxy. Deadline's reporting that The Walking Dead star Michael Rooker has joined Guardians of the Galaxy to play the role of Yondu, who is a founding member of the original Guardians of the Galaxy in the source material. Rooker's casting comes as no surprise, as he's worked with director James Gunn on both his previous films, Slither and Super. Other cast members confirmed for the film are Parks and Rec actor Chris Pratt as Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, and David Bautista as Drax the Destroyer. Zoe Saldana is in talks to play Gamora. Guardians of the Galaxy's roster is also said to include not only Groot, but Rocket Raccoon, and the film is currently in pre-production in the UK with Gunn at the helm, and is targeted for an August 2014 release. Another outstanding trailer came out this month with Star Trek Into Darkness. It's the third trailer for the J.J. Abrams sequel to the original Star Trek that came out in 2009, and this one stars as a villain, Benedict Cumberbatch. If you want to check out the trailer, the easiest place to go, as always, is check out the Geek Breeze Facebook page. And now for the coup de grace. Last week I mentioned the message from General Zod on the Man of Steel website. I also mentioned a billboard that showed up in Culver City, which directed you to another website with a Kryptonian countdown. The website was called IWillFindHim.com, and when that countdown completed, we were treated to the third trailer for The Man of Steel. Goodbye, my son. be an outcast. They'll kill him. How? He'll be a god to them. What if a child dreamed of becoming something other than what society had intended? What if a child aspired to something greater? In the bus, he saw what Clark did. You're the answer, son. 
You're the answer to are we alone in the universe. Can I just keep pretending I'm your son? You are my son. And I have to believe that you were sent here for a reason. And even if it takes the rest of your life, you owe it to yourself to find out what that reason is. How do you find someone who has spent a lifetime covering his tracks? For some, he was a guardian angel. For others, a ghost who never quite fit in. You will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, you will help them accomplish wonders. Son is safe. I will find him. My father believed that if the world found out who I really was, they'd reject me. He was convinced that the world wasn't ready. What do you think? What's the S stand for? It's not an S. On my world, it means hope. Well, here it is. How about Excuse me. The first trailer released for this film was meant to be a teaser, and as a teaser it worried me. Hell it didn't worry me, it scared me. It it scared me in the sense that it seemed overly emotional and too internalized in its style. And the world doesn't need really another emo hero, especially an emo Superman. Everyone saw the nightmare that was Spider-Man 3 when they went that route, and that was a train wreck that actually turned me off from watching Spider-Man films. And it pretty much caused me to not be interested in watching the most recent reboot, which is actually a shame. Emo is dangerous. And... I was afraid that we wouldn't get a proper Superman story, which would cause the inevitable chain reaction. The character would not be properly portrayed, which would cause a lack of connection with the audience, which would cause the movie to flop at the box office, and it would ultimately result in us not seeing another Superman film for another seven plus years, if not longer. So what did we see in this third, more comprehensive trailer? It started out with a simple piano strain as Jarrell watches the destruction of Krypton torn apart by war. And he simply says goodbye to his son. It's touching, uh, and it's very simple. We see two parents tenderly saying goodbye to their child as they place him in the capsule. I am so relieved to hear that the music used in this trailer is part of Hans Zimmer's score for Man of Steel. The actual piece that they took as an excerpt, I believe, is called An Ideal of Hope. And with a bit of jiggery-pokery, I may have it sans the trailer vocals at the end of the show. As much as I love John Williams' Superman theme, it was time for a change, and I can't wait to hear what the Man of Steel score will provide to the film. From this trailer, it looks like Krypton is a combination of Kryptons from different stories, which makes me happy for the simple fact that Krypton shown in Donner's film looked really like a giant ball of ice with about 50 people under a dome. 
it looked like a tiny colony when in fact it was it's supposed to be a thriving civilization and in this we see that we see mountains a beast flying through the air a city a living breathing as i said thriving civilization that seems to be teeming with life but it's at war the beginning voiceover with Jarrell stating that if a child dreamed of being something other than what society intended is interesting. I heard that, that in Entertainment Weekly, they discussed a plot point for the movie in which Krypton has a caste system, and their children are genetically modified to be either a part of a warrior caste, science caste, etc., etc., as what happened in the world of New Krypton. For those interested, uh, Superman World of New Krypton was about a 12-issue series that ran from, I believe, March 2009 to March 2010. I like this concept. It, it really gives credence to the belief that Krypton is a technologically advanced and scientifically focused society. It also distances themselves to a degree from Earth and gives Krypton a more alien perspective. Then, of course, we see the bus scene where it appears to have fallen off a bridge into a river, and we see that a teenage Clark saves everyone. Then we hear a rather stupid woman saying, My son was in the bus. He saw what Clark did. To which, honestly, if I was her, I'd be a little less angry. I'd probably say thank you for not letting my child die. I'm also starting to warm towards Kevin Costner as Jonathan Kent. For me, Costner can be very much like Nicolas Cage. He's pretty much a one-trick pony. He plays all his characters as Kevin Costner. Seeing him respond to Clark's comment that he just wants to be his son was emotional. It helped me to feel more affection towards Pa Kent than I've ever felt in the past. We see Superman out in the Antarctic with Jarrell's voiceover giving an amazing homage to Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman with his You'll Give the People an Ideal to Strive Towards speech. I know a lot of people are going to spin this quote with a religious connotation, which I'm, I'm not a fan of. I'm not in the camp that makes Superman into a Christ figure. In fact, that actually wrinkles me more than anything. Can a person stand as a symbol of hope and goodwill for others to aspire to and not be muddied with a religious connotation? Hope, charity, and goodwill towards others is not a purely Christian ideal, and it's a fundamental basis of most cultures. Russell Crowe is an excellent choice, I believe, as Jarrell. I've never been overly impressed with Brando's version of Jarrell in the Donner film. Ironically, I only truly bonded with the character after hearing Terrence Stamp's voice as the Fortress's Jor-El on Smallville. Another thing I liked in this trailer was that we got to see Lois Lane properly. At first we heard her monologue describing Clark as an elusive ghost that never quite fit in and helped others when he could. It's nice to see a Lois that is using her investigative prowess as a journalist. To see her tracking this mystery across the globe for months, if not years, to discover who or what he is. It looks like General Zod and Jarrell are already mortal enemies by the time we hit this film, because we see Zod declaring that I will find him, and uh, <laughs> and with Zod bound and surrounded by his lieutenants, it reminded me a great deal of the court trial scene with Terrence Stamp as Zod in the 78 movie. I'm kind of hoping that they explore the relationship between Zod and Jarrell more fully in The Man of Steel. I remember reading a tweet from Russell Crowe about a year and a half ago that mentioned he filmed a fight sequence with Michael Shannon Zod, but I don't know if they made it into the final cut or not. In season 9 of Smallville, I liked how the relationship between Jor-El and Zod was shown. Understandably, the movie might not have the time to portray that relationship, but it would be nice to see if they do. I think Michael Shannon is going to be a memorable General Zod, hopefully on par with the recent Sinestro played by Mark Strong and the Joker played by uh, Heath Ledger. We get a glimpse of the Fortress of Solitude, which I hope we'll get to see more of in the movie. I'd love to see what this redesign will look like. Also, there's a blink-and-you'll-miss-it moment where we see a 
gigantic robot, octopus squid-looking thing going after someone. From the freeze frame that I took, it looks like Superman, but the coloring of the scene reminds me a lot of Krypton, so I'm not sure. Perhaps this is the Black Zero terrorist weapon that we heard mentioned as part of the film. To that, uh, I would like to say thank you uh, for spoiling us, toy manufacturers. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that, but we'll see how it looks in the in the movie. It looked awesome from what I could see from the trailer number three. Superman not being on good terms with the soldiers and getting to be interviewed by Lois Lane is pretty much right out of Jeff John's Superman Secret Origins. I noticed the energy beam that is on top of Superman, that he flies it. It looks like one that Superman faces in Superman Earth 1. It also looks like elements from Superman Birthright will be shown in the film as well. I really can't wait to see how they, they all come together, because I see so many different things picked and choosed from, and I hope it just sort of meshes really well. Henry Cavill has the definite look of Superman. He, he looks good. I know there was a big debate on whether he should have the, the red I like to call them the red panties, but, you know, whether he has those or not. I believe it was, like, at the Toy Expo last year, they had his suit in a case, and I, I saw a picture of him. The cod piece they had on the suit was a little large, and it kind of drew your eye without the, the red shorts. But seeing him in action with the suit, I'm I'm not too worried about it now. It, it's, you know, he looks a little less naked to me. It's just, before, I was I was kind of uncertain. We've seen how Superman looks in the New 52 with the suit, you know, he's got on there and it's missing the shorts. I know a lot of people are worried about that in the classic style, but it's a tiny, tiny detail. I think this trailer has done what it was intended to do. It was meant to inspire and excite and to sway those worries of a possible emo superhero. I can't wait to see Man of Steel, and I'm sure none of you can either. Just last week, on April 18th, Superman made his first appearance in Action Comics number 1 75 years ago. All over the world, people were celebrating Superman's birthday. And this year, his 75th birthday, is coming the Man of Steel. I'm sure all of you are going to see it. I know I am. Definitely once, possibly even twice. Now I've rambled way, way too long on Man of Steel, and I really need to get into our streaming movie of the week, which was Red State. This movie was directed by Kevin Smith and stars Stephen Root, who you've seen in Office Space and a number of DC projects, such as Batman Year One, Batman the Brave and the Bold, Young Justice, and Justice League. You have Michael Parks, who you've seen in a range of things, from Argo and Twin Peaks to the Grindhouse features Death Proof and Planet Terror. You have Kyle Gallner, a.k.a. Bart Allen from Smallville, who played Impulse, John Goodman, and of course, Kevin Pollock who has one of the shortest character appearances I've ever seen him in. This is the Netflix synopsis. Director Kevin Smith puts a unique spin on the horror genre in this tale of hormonal urges gone awry. Three high school boys answer an online ad from a woman seeking wild sex and soon find themselves in the hands of some dangerous religious zealots. This was a decent enough movie. I was impressed with Smith's attempt at dealing with a horror genre type of film, but honestly, I don't think it was much of a horror genre. I think it was closer to a thriller than anything else. John Goodman and Michael Parks really shined in this movie. I mean, they had strong acting chops, and they definitely brought a, a certain level to the film that it probably wouldn't have had with a lesser actor. There are quite a few political and religious statements throughout the film, but I don't think Smith was grandstanding in any way. You genuinely have to give him props for 
his creativity and, and doing something different. As I said before, Kevin Pollack has one of the shortest scenes in history. It basically consists of quippy comment, quippy comment, shot in the face, hit ground, scene. It was also really nice to see Kyle Gallner. He had quite a few quality scenes, and he shined in this movie. I'd probably give this film mm, 3 out of 5. It wasn't a fantastic film, but it wasn't horrible either. I'd definitely recommend checking it out at the very least. Our next streaming movie of the week is Paranorman, and it stars Christopher Mintz-Plass, Bernard Hill, Alex Borstein, Casey Affleck, and John Goodman. It's currently available on Netflix Instant Watch. If anyone wants to sit down and share your thoughts about the movie, or anything else for that matter, the email is geekbriefs at live.com. You can also contact the Geek Briefs studios at the Twitter account at Geek Briefs, or the Geek Briefs Facebook page. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>